we are jumping into part three of our Are You Crazy series. Last week, my ginger ninja friend, Mr. Gabriel Phillips, preached outstandingly on the first part of Abraham and his incredible faith story, a story that pulled him into so much more. But we see in Hebrews 11 this, what is it? An artillery of the heroes of faith. It starts out like this in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. All these great men and women were commended for their confidence in what they hoped for and their assurance even though they had not seen. It's a credible thing. Who would love some more assurance right now? We live in a seeing is believing world. So the government makes a statement to say, we'll wait till we see it. My boys come and they jump on their trampoline and the older says, I can do a triple 60 or whatever he says. And the others are like, show us, we don't believe you. That's the world we live in. It's like seeing is believing. The problem is that's not faith. And the Bible presents that believing is the goal. Believing is the mind goal that brings out and ultimately seeing is just the results of what God has already done because of believing. But Gabe preached last week and I love the name Abraham. It is my dad's name. A shout out to my dad. His name is Abraham Karl Greiling van Pletsen. Yes, a proper South African Afrikaans name. But Gabe preached three points, simple, beautiful. Our history doesn't determine our destiny. We see this Abraham who God renames, makes him Abraham, and his history doesn't hold him there. He starts a whole new chain of a faith movement in his family, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then we see my expectation in his invitation. And it's this, is his invitation. It's my expectation on our glorious God, the expectation we have on him to do miracles in the toughest times. And lastly, a radical future. We say it often demands a radical inheritance. That's kind of part of the woodwork of Life Changes Church. We honestly believe that we have a promise of a radical future in our great king, but it does demand some radical obedience and following him at this time. I want to read about our amazing man, Abraham, as it continues in Hebrews 11, verse 17. Are you well? Grab your coffee, wake your neighbor up, whoever's sitting next to you in the room. It is so good to be together. It goes like this from verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did did receive Isaac back from the dead. This is a crazy story. It's a story out of Genesis 22, where this man, man, Abraham, who God has used in mighty, mighty ways, had waited until he was 100 years old. And then God gave them this promised child, this future, this new story for them, this prestige, this everything that comes with having a son at that time. And then God says, this is what I want of you, Abraham. I want you to take that son up a mountainside and I want you to sacrifice him. There's all these mixed emotions and some are enamored and some are outraged and some are captivated and some are just flat out astounded by the story. They just don't get it. It's kind of one of those you just like, whoop, whoop, that page tear out of the Bible. We don't like that one there. We don't quite compute that one. Or every word thrown around is murderer, abuser, child abuser, or just darn crazy. That story is crazy. Or even famous musicians have written songs about the story. Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen and Joan Baez. But I want to show you some artwork. Rembrandt painted in 1634. And um, we'll pop that up now. An incredible piece of art portraying Abraham 
about to sacrifice his son Isaac and the angel of the Lord stepping in and stopping him at the last minute. Others, Tatinian in 1487, hundreds of dramatic art pieces portraying the drama of this moment, but dare I say mostly misunderstood. As there are these two kind of key opinions that rage about the story of faith. Remember, we're talking about crazy faith. Faith that would cause people to ask us the question, are you crazy to follow that kin? Are you crazy at this time? Well, this story either lands you up in madness or marvel. Madness, in the madness of following God, in the madness of this madness, or maybe our Abraham, A.B. baby has lost the plot in following this madness, or marvel, that he so knew the voice of God that he so trusted it, that he so rose up in faith at this time. And God did a mighty, mighty work. You see, it's a problem and a challenge for our world because faith is not of this world. Faith is a currency and a language of heaven. It's something that pulls us into the very heart of God. It takes us out of obsession with ourselves and pulls us into a focus and a fixation on Jesus, the King of Kings, His glory, His goodness. And the challenge is the greatest enemy of faith is me. You, our lives, our story, us at the center. The minute we are at the center, faith will always struggle to rise above in our story. Well, why preach faith now, Mark, in these corona days? Well, quite simply because fear is the big narrative of the day. Fear is the story everyone is telling and fear is the weapon that the enemy is using at this time. And the only way the church can respond is not by beating down fear. We rise up in faith and we find faith in times of fear. We find it in John 12, it says this, verse 37, but though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. It's possible that you've seen miracles. You've seen God break out in your time. And as per these people, they saw all these miracles and they were still not finding courage and faith to believe Him at this time. And there's this great challenge. And I want to read from Genesis 22 that tells this Abraham story that shows us this dramatic picture that so offends so many. And yet, with eyes of faith, God will show us His goodness, His greatness, His kindness in and through this dramatic story. It starts like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Well, let's just stop there. These should have been the golden years for Abraham and Sarah. Let's be honest. They've faced lots of challenges. They've faced trials. They've gone with God. It said they, he took them on this journey, so they went with him and then they trusted him. And Sarah had her own faith to trust God to fill her barren womb. And now they're in the golden years and kind of you're going, well, um, my faith stories are hung up. I'm not going to have any more faith stories. I'm happy to be me, God, and tell the storybooks from years gone by of when you did amazing things in our life. And yet God chooses this time of their lives. It says to test them. It's a word pronounced norsor or a primitive root. It means not just to tempt them or to try them, but to prove them, to prove them. See, God isn't trying to disprove them. He's trying to prove them. And so he allows them to be tested and to be tempted and to be proven through this trial. See, God is testing Abraham to prove him a man of faith. I would say he's doing that with all of us at this time. He carries on. He said to him, Abraham, let's stop there again. He calls him by his name, the new name that God gave him, not his old name and his past and his brokenness and his failures. And he calls him by his new name, the new story with the promises attached to it. God reaches out and calls him and says, here I am, he replied. Verse two, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, 
You recognize the language? Sounds a lot like John 3.16. Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. I mean, what? What? This is crazy. Are you crazy? Well, this is the time you ask Abraham that. But Abraham understood something. And understand, no, that God wasn't saying murder him or stab him. God was saying sacrifice him. Why? Because the sacrificial, sacrificial system was so normal to God's people at that time. God was calling for a sacrifice of devotion and trust. In verse 3, let's read on. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the wood, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's a great question. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, Abraham knew fully well what the call was. But he was stating in faith, his language of faith already being exposed. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar and there arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he says again. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Let's pray for a second. Lord, I pray as we delve into your word, feast on your word and as you are calling us to be a people of faith in a time of fear I pray let your word speak up by spirit of God lead us show us guide us and let this somewhat crazy story show us the glorious father I pray as the apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians that you would show us and we would have an ever-increasing knowledge and revelation of the glorious father at this time we thank you God so here's the story. Abraham, mature in his years, receives the promises of God and, and the very promise was his son Isaac. That's what's going on here. So now we know about Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He was Abraham and he gets his first promise to make him a great nation. And then Genesis 15, God makes him Abraham and blesses them with this incredible son. Even though his wife was barren in her old years, God speaks and breaks into this chaos. And when Abraham is a Abraham is hundred years old, just say that with me. A hundred years, his son is born. 
Some of us are crying wolf. I mean, he's leading us, he's shouting, and, and God is breaking into his life. And the very promise of his obedience and of God was his son Isaac. But what if obedience, or maybe faith, means losing everything? See, God tested him. Three simple points to prove a man of faith. See, I don't think the story was God was to disprove his faith. I think God wanted to show off his son who trusted him. I think God's always wanting to show off his sons and daughters who trust him. He's wanting to show you off at this time. As your knees are feeble because there's challenge and trial, because you're home and you're not sure what the future holds for this nation, God is wanting to show you off a man or a woman of faith at this time. And I want to show you how that looks in this story. First of all, faith starts with knowing his voice not just his ways. Abraham, God calls him by name. He says, it's not a new name. And Abraham replies, yes, I'm here. See, many voices are determining your actions right now. Maybe it's politicians, religion, or, or maybe even the media. And God calls him Abraham by his new name. He declares the goodness of his new name. See, God gave him that name. And when Abraham hears that call, Whatever follows next comes after the promises that have been fulfilled. Whatever comes next follows after everything that God has proved himself to be faithful and kind and good and a fulfiller of promises. Everything that follows that word, Abraham. Why? Because God had given him a new name. See, when we get touched by the gospel, there's a name that gets written in the Lamb's book of life and we get a new name in Jesus. It's a name the Father whispers into our ears. It's only His voice that can whisper that to our hearts. But it's His voice. So this life of faith starts with a voice. I would say it starts with the Father's voice. It's the same voice that changed Abraham's world forever. It's the same voice that spoke and Life came to a barren womb. It's the same voice that proved his love for him. So when that voice spoke, it was the voice that captivated him. It's the same voice that told him earlier on in Genesis 12, go and I will make you a great nation. That same voice says again, go up a mountain, take your son with you because that voice speaks. It doesn't matter what he says. It matters who is speaking. Faith starts with a voice. See, the call of God and his voice not just makes us a Christian, but it also grows us as Christians when we learn to follow and trust that voice. See, in my life, God has spoken to me about a few big things. And every time the challenges and the trial comes, there's one thing that settles. There's one thing that satisfies. And there's one thing that sustains me. It's that voice that spoke. And I have to get on my knees before God again and say, Father, would you speak again? I need that voice that has spoken into my ears before because it sustains and it holds. See, when God reached out in the very first word of chapter 22, it says, Abraham, he says, here I am, Lord. It wasn't the voice of a tyrant God speaking. It wasn't the voice of a judge or an angry father. It was the voice of a faithful, faithful God who had proven himself mighty and miraculous in all his ways. And when that verse spoke, it didn't actually matter what came next. Maybe that sounds crazy to you. See, that's the are you crazy life that Abraham gets celebrated for. What voices are calling you now? What are they calling you to? Because faith starts with a voice. Secondly, I want to tell you, faith matures when we keep following that voice. 
when we keep following that voice. I love Psalm 126. It's part of the Psalm of Ascents, and it's these songs as they're ascending the hill of the Lord, and they're a bit of laments. And in Psalm 126, from verse 4, it says this, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy. And verse 6 is powerful. Those who go out in weeping, carrying seed to sow while they are weeping, will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them. Maybe right now you are going out to work and you're weeping as you're going out, but God says, keep sowing seeds. Keep sowing seeds in faith and the tears can fall, but He will water those seeds and His life will flow and there will be days of joy ahead. Why? Because of faith in the one who has spoken into your soul, into your future and changed your eternal destiny. So I, I don't know about you, but I love funny videos. And there's that funny video about team building. Have you ever been to team building? And they get some dude to stand on his chair and he crosses his hands over. And then the video plays out and you see the whole team standing behind them. They're just waiting for him and say, okay, you need to trust our voice now. You need to trust our voice. And he, he's supposed to fall back into the very safe hands of his work colleagues. But he didn't listen to the voice. So he falls forward and lands flat on his face. I think it's classic. But it happens all the time. I don't know about you. I remember going on training days in corporate spaces where they blindfolded us and told us to drive a Range Rover through the bush, listening to the voice of our colleagues so we could learn to trust this voice. I couldn't trust that voice. Left, left, right, left, left, right, right, left, right, stop, stop. I mean, it's like, it's the most nerve wracking thing in the world. But what you find is that you learn to trust it. As you learn to cooperate with it, as you learn to listen to it, not just the first call left, but continuously begins to fight and find rhythms and life. And this carries on in verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. He gets up. Early in no delay, he listens to the voice and he obeys. He takes the two servants and his sons. He cuts the wood. He puts the wood on his son's back. And then his son asks him, Father? He says, yes, my son. Maybe Bible teachers will teach us as blind faith. It's just Abraham was just obeying. It's just obedience. But I want to tell you there's more than obedience at stake here. There's more than obedience going on here. And yes, we believe radical futures demand radical obedience. But you've, to understand the story, you've got to understand two things. Number one, God doesn't tell Abraham to murder his son. He tells him to sacrifice his son. He tells him to bring him the very thing that God had given him. The giver asks for the gift. It's a radical thing. Why? But if you know that the giver is consistent and faithful and for you, you trust him for future gifts. You trust his voice. Second thing that you've got to understand is to truly understand the horror of this test for Abraham's life is to understand the meaning of the firstborn and this ironclad law that it was in society at the time called primogeniture where the very firstborn, the first son, got everything. He got the family name. He got all the wealth. He got everything. Why? Because they were so in it as a family for their future story and future generations. They wanted to not split the wealth. They wanted to keep strong. And that son would get everything. And God is saying, I want your most valuable thing in this life, that son. I want the thing that you hold closest. I want the thing that carries your name. I want it all. See, Abraham had heard his voice before, and now that voice is speaking again. But what does he do? He responds immediately without delay. What is God speaking to right now? Without delay, respond. You know what the result of Abraham's faith is? I love it. We know the names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, renowned 
for faith, renowned as these three generations of faith. He brings a faith story. What's your lineage story? You can break in by listening to that voice now and allow a faith story to break into your lineage right now. Right now, business owners facing closures. And what is the voice of God spoken? Did God speak to you? What is God leading you? And if you ran ahead of His voice, get on your knees and hear His voice. For families, very briefly, 12 years ago, God called me out of a career. Five years of studying, eight years of working, trusting, reaching a senior management level at a young age and everything inside of me feeling proud about it. And God said, I want your heart. I want you to follow me. I'd never preached in church. I'd never wanted to be a pastor in my life. And God spoke. As clear as I know, God spoke. And I could either choose to deny that voice and call it madness or stand in awe of the one who was speaking to me, who had always proven himself faithful, who had filled barren wombs, who had done miracles and healed ears and eyes. I could trust that voice. Twelve years later, I look back and I've got no need or desire to be in any hall of fame. But I'm telling you, God did something inside of me that when that voice speaks, I learned to listen quickly. He wants you, and if you haven't operated in that level, He wants you to start today. Because when the challenge came for Abraham, what about your future, your family name, your prestige? What about your security? Well, he said, but God spoke again. See, the challenge is we trust our eyes more than we trust the giver of sight. We trust our understanding more than we trust the one who gave us our thinking. We trust our reasoning more than the God of heaven and of earth, and we trust the gift more than the giver. And God says, it stops now. I want to raise up and I want to prove a daughter and a son of faith at this time. And last point, God's provision is always greater than our faith. See, it's a revelation that lands. And the revelation wasn't just the power of obedience. That wasn't the big revelation here. The revelation was on that mountain. God isn't saying obedience is the key. On that mountain, God is saying God himself will provide. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. God is a provider. He is faithful and He is kind. And He's calling us to climb mountains. And in front of you, there might be a mountain. He's saying, climb up the mountain and sacrifice your praise to Him. And on the mountain, He will provide. See, as Abram is pushing up that mountain, and maybe you feel like you're pushing up a mountain this week, He's not saying, I can do it. I can do this. I can sacrifice. I can obey. I can. He's not saying that. He's saying, that voice has spoken before, and I've learned that that voice can. So God can. God can raise my son from the dead. If I have to plunge the knife into his chest, I believe the God of heaven who has brought life before will bring life again, and it doesn't make sense. And people, if I told him, if I told the servants, I have to leave in the bottom, because they would go, you are crazy. He says, but I know the voice. See, the testimony is not on the mountain of the Lord. It will be obeyed. Now, Genesis 22, verse 14 says this, On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Our greatest provision is Jesus. And we see this incredible picture of a father taking a son. Sounds a lot like Golgotha. Sounds a lot like Good Friday. Sounds a lot like Jesus. See, but the gracious God spared his son. See, God's greatest provision in that moment was a perfect sacrifice, a ram from a bush. But for my life and your life, God's greatest provision has already been given. The greatest sacrifice He could ever ask for has already been taken. It's Jesus. And God proves His own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans tells us. But I want to tell you that this faith journey isn't just one of motivation and it's not even one of being really good at obeying the rules. No, religion can teach you that. 
faith starts, number one, with knowing His voice. Abraham, what voice is speaking to you right now? Silence the illegitimate lying voices and hear the voice of your father. And then when he speaks again, listen again because faith matures when we listen to that voice again. And I want to tell you, the greatest revelation of the Abraham and Isaac story is not obedience and the power of obedience. That is powerful to our understanding of our role. But the greatest revelation is that God will take us up mountains to encounter His presence, to prove us and to show us that He is our provider. Know that today. It's easy to say when the salary is coming in and times are good, but in these moments, it's time for us to put the stake in the ground and say, my God in heaven is my provider. And that's what faith looks like. As we land, what are you white knuckling and gripping to with all your might? What are you holding to? What's your Isaac right now that you're saying, I just can't, I just can't lay that down. I just can't let that go. Maybe it's a business. I want to tell you in the Bible, there is a motif that says some things have got to die so God can bring fresh life. This is a season where some things are going to die and some ships are going to be wrecked. But ultimately, God is more invested and involved in your soul and your life and you accessing the eternal life that Jesus, the perfect sacrifice paid for in your story. See, we believe in supernatural miracles and doubtless purpose and unmovable faith. And I want to tell you, friend, at this time, there's nothing more precious than those in this moment. I want to pray with us and for us. First, can we close our eyes? If you're saying, Mark, that sounds crazy, but I need Jesus. See, that's how it works. It is crazy. It's His perfect blood 2,000 years ago poured out that washes you clean today. If that's you right now, I want to pray for you right now. Respond, say, that's me. Click on the box, whatever you have to do, but say, Jesus, follow me. Say, Jesus, can we all pray together? Jesus, today I am yours. Today I climb my mountain and I say, there is one King of my life. And I say, I want your voice. Thank you that today I'm washed clean by your blood forever. Never to be the same again. Oh, we celebrate with you. We love you. I want to pray for all of us now as we go and we keep going on our journey of faith at this time. God is rising up. Abraham's within our midst and Isaac's and Jacob's and Sarah's and many others will rise up in faith at this time and won't respond to the narrative of the day, but we will say, our God in heaven who spoke our name, my name, in the midst of the storm, I will trust Him. I want to pray for you. Right now, God, I lift up my friends who you are with. And I pray right now, Father, would you speak? I said it earlier, but I pray again that great prayer of the Apostle Paul. I pray for a great growing wisdom and revelation that they would know you, the glorious Father. And let faith arise. Where salaries weren't 100% last month. Let faith arise. Where maybe there's nothing in the pipeline. Let faith arise. At this time, we trust you, God. And we look to you. We love you. As we say every time, we are praying for you. We bless you and we love you lots.